Hello, lions and tigers and bears and all the ships at sea, and welcome to A Very Good Year, the movie podcast where we invite a guest to pick their favorite year of movies and talk to us all about that year. I'm your host, Jason Bailey, and across the mic and across the country from me is my co-host, Michael Hall. And our guest today is a film blogger and historian specializing in uh, well, World War II era cinema, uh, movie musicals, and... Well, I don't want to spoil where we're going, uh, but she's uh, she's a member of the Online Association of Female Film Critics, and she's been blogging at CometOverHollywood.com since 2009. Folks, say howdy to the lovely, the knowledgeable Jessica Pickens. Hi, Jessica. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I want to get right to it because this is, you know, sometimes we we uh, we get a long sort of origin story about why the guests picked a particular year and sort of the struggle that they had choosing it. Yours uh, is a bit more simple. So what, what year are you here to talk to us about, Jessica, and why? Uh, 1939, um, that might seem a little bit pedestrian for years and years. It's been heralded as the greatest year on film since in the past few years, a lot of people have debated that, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I became fascinated with the year and, um, after a lot of discussion, I thought, well, let's find out what's so special about this year and watch as many of these movies from 1939 as I can. So that's really why I picked it. And obviously there's the greatest hits that we always hear about, Wizard of Oz and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and Gone with the Wind. And I wanted to focus on some other films that I love from this year, but maybe aren't the ones that are as discussed quite so often. Right. Um, some might be, but you know, this year also from what I found, um, I really started this journey, if you will, in 2011. 2011 very... folks. <laughs> this is well, a commitment I, I to the that... bit. <laughs> I will say that I've like just sat down every day sure. and watched a lot of films, but it's just, it happens very organically or, you know, I'll run across one and watch it or watch it for a review. I'm going to write, but it's the year really is very interesting when you look at different actors' careers. It was very transformative for some folks, sure. like Olivia de Havilland and Lana Turner and Anne Southern. Um, very important in history, as I'm sure y'all will get into, <laughs> which did affect some of the mil- the filmmaking. And, you know, the economy was improving at this time. And I think that also... Um, might be why some of these movies were a little bit more lavish um, during this period. Not that there was an absence of lavish films, but sure. you know, it's just a change. Um, so that's why I picked it and um, wanted to delve in and share some of my favorites that are a little bit more unheralded, yes. if you will. Yes. No, the, we like the deep cut show. We've had, we have <laughs> some folks come on and, and do the greatest hits and those are always fun to talk about. But, uh, but yes, for example, Millie DeSherico came on and did 1967 and, uh, and did not go with, you know, the, the pictures at a revolution lineup for that right. year really went, right. ran, went a little wilder. Were there, in, are there any, you know, as you've, you've done this kind of long-term project, are there any particular trends that have become apparent to you either in terms of style or genre or maybe even just in sort of a tone or approach that were perhaps not as immediately evident to you started going in? You know, it really does kind of run the gamut. Mm. But like to me, I found that even those B-level movies, if you will, Mm -hmm. and I have one of them here on the list, seemed just as important and just as like high level production Mm. as your A-listers. They might not be as quite as expensive to make, um, but there were just a lot of beginnings. Um, But it it seemed like they touched every topic. There was, I mean, I wrote down a list about 10 and had to cut it down to five. (laughs) Of course. Um, But, you know, we go from something like Bo Jest, which is really an adventure film, to another one I think is great, Beauty for the Asking, which is about the beauty industry with Lucille Ball. There's just so many good movies, like just that even the the low the low budget are just nuggets somehow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, we're gonna get into those, and we're gonna get into the the deep cuts that you've selected for us. Uh, but before we do that, Mike's gonna key us in on some of the some of the some of the goings on in in a a world in transition. We'll say that uh, in 1939. Here's headlines. This is a rough year, Jason. I know year. it's all oh, anytime we get around World War II, it's like, it's, oh, headlines is going to be a fucking bummer oh, this week. And 
new ruler of Spain rides into the city of his conquest. Behind him is Moors, his army lines the route. And from a flag-draped balcony in the newly named Avenida del Cordillo, the avenue of the chief, he reviews 80,000 of his officers and men. So it starts off in January. The Spanish nationalists yeah. took Barcelona three years into the Spanish Civil War. Franco's government yeah. was recognized by France and Great Britain in February. They were in Madrid shortly thereafter. 1939 was basically the start of Franco, and he would be there until he died in 75, which we've and already roundly became, celebrated on this show. Yes, and was roundly celebrated <laughs> on a weekly basis by Chevy Chase. So, yes, you know, exactly. it's, it's du duly noted. <laughs> Here's a, here's a good here's a good news story. In April 6th, okay. I mean sort of. God fuck, it's really not though. Nation's most impressive Easter demonstration. 75,000 mass before Lincoln Memorial to hear Marian Anderson, colored contralto, make her capital debut at the Great Emancipator Shrine. Refusal of the DAR to let her use their hall fanned a countrywide controversy with this great gathering as the climax. The singer was invited by Secretary of the Interior, Ickes, who attends with Secretary of the Treasury, Morgenthau. Spectators include Supreme Court Justice Black, New York Senator Robert Wagner, and a host of notables. Here to listen to the voice acclaimed by many as the finest in a century. In no, April, singer <laughs> Marian Anderson performed in front of 75,000 people at the Lincoln Memorial after the Daughters of the American Revolution and the city of D.C. denied her performance space because she was black. Oh. <sighs> Eleanor Roosevelt resigned from the DAR because of the decision and because she was a good one. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we, sh shout out to Eleanor Roosevelt. I um, I'm still I'm still okay with Eleanor Roosevelt. I haven't seen the, would, the tweet that that ruined me on her just yet. Uh, <laughs> would you like to hear my Eleanor Roosevelt impression? Would that cheer you up? Please. Would that be a lift to the sick? <laughs> I resign from the Daughters of the American <laughs> Revolution on account of this horrible treatment of Miss Anderson, a premier singer. How's that? That's excellent. Thank you. Spot on. Yeah. It's actually, it's not really Eleanor Roosevelt. It's Walter Matthau doing Eleanor Roosevelt in Hopscotch. But gotcha. a secondhand impression is better gotcha. than none at all. all right. It's almost like we found a radio clip. <laughs> it may be the worst story that's ever been on here that, and, and is not connected to World War II. In May, a girl named Lena Medina became the youngest person in recorded medical history to give birth at five years old. The father was never identified. And... That's probably for the best for yeah. him. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is what I mean. Like, this year is like, ah. I was trying to find the good news stories, and Lena yeah. Medina came out of the woodwork. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my Don't God. The Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact uh, was signed in August, also known as the Non-Aggression Pact between Germany and the Soviet Union. That divided up Eastern Europe between them, leading to the Nazi invasion of Poland and all kinds of Soviet colonial fuckery soon thereafter. See, when you hear that there was a pact was signed, like usually you're like, oh, yay, that's mm -mm. people being peaceful. And that's not what this was, huh? Yeah, I'm going to punch him on the right. You punch him on the left. Sounds good. OK, let's shake on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's yeah. nothing good there. The responsibility lies on the shoulders of one man. By his latest act of naked aggression, Hitler has committed a crime not only against Poland, but against the whole human race. Against the mothers and children leaving the cities of Britain under the great evacuation scheme with a smoothness and speed that avoids a single accident or delay. As they start out on what to them is the great adventure, already German troops, guns and planes have crossed the Polish border to kill and to destroy. Here's the thing. There is no good news from 1939. None. <laughs> the rest of the year is just all the news is the Blitzkrieg is going great. The Holocaust is getting off to a yeah. hell of a start. There's yeah. no good news. Okay, so instead of continuing to bang on about this shit, let's. I'm going to take two minutes to explain okay. why we do do this depressing ass segment in okay. every in every show because okay. I think it's important. This is based on a philosophy that Jason and I have together that we've yes. I think developed independently, but very much agree on that these movies are not made in a vacuum. That Hollywood right. is a place on the earth with an address. It's not a magical land. You can go there and there have to be toilet facilities, right? So, like, 
It is a human experience, and and everything in the universe is trying to kill us all the time. If you go very far above the ground, you can't breathe anymore. If you stand next to a volcano, you can't breathe anymore. Like, water will kill you. You know what I mean? Everything's trying to kill you all the time. And nothing was trying to kill you more than in 1939. And at the same time, they kept making all of these movies, and it's kind of a fucking miracle. Like, we, it's very easy to sort of get lost in like talking about the shots and about, you know, the dialogue and the costumes and all these other things. But the fact that like we keep giving a shit about each other and making art and falling in love and and having babies is like it's a fucking miracle that any of this shit is happening whatsoever. It's the reason why people believe in God, because none of this is fucking when you really sit down and think about it for very long. It's unimaginable. And somehow 1939 is like the most amazing example of all of that. Like you can pick and 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 gnaw at these movies if you want, but like while the the fucking while they were dividing up Eastern Europe, like Gone with the Wind and Mr. Smith goes to Washington were being made. That's just it's fucking absurd and it's worth recognizing every now and then. Yeah. All right. Nice nicely said. Well said. Let's move put on. Put in an applause. Put in like a big cheering applause sound effect. <laughs> will, you, will you do that? Only because you <laughs> said so. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Another amazing thing that happened in 1939 was Billie Holiday recorded Strange Fruit. Is that a better example of what I'm talking about? This is amazing art about the worst thing that America could possibly do. Yeah. You know, Batman made his first appearance in Detective Comics. I'm not sure that lives up to the same sort of bar that we've just set, but it turned out to be important in American culture. It did, but I could like. There's a part of me that can start to blame what movies are now on that. So I'm like, <laughs> my enthusiasm for this factoid is slightly reserved. Hello, everybody. This is Heather Hopper reporting to you from Hollywood, that fabulous place where everyone wants to live but seldom does. Hollywood, whose celebrities were discovered in Centerville, who live in Beverly Hills, work in Culver City, and play in Palm Springs. Hedda Hopper's Hollywood debuted in 1939 and a gossip powerhouse was born. I think it's very hard for us now to understand. I mean, this was like E! Entertainment and Andy Cohen and like so many other things. That's like Hedda Hopper's sort of been separated into like a dozen different brands now. But she was the brand, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's my understanding. Yeah, no. And she had great hats. She did. The hats were were incredible. <laughs> um, if you'd like really like a thorough understanding of the importance of Hedda Hopper and her rival Luella Parsons, we can of course recommend friend of the show Karina Longworth's miniseries on them for You Must Remember This, which is really like just tip top first rate stuff. Another good thing, Enzo Ferrari started a car company. That's hey! cool. Hey, th- oh. that's how you could tell that like they were just starting to figure out what a midlife crisis was around nineteen thirty nine. It's like, we need a car that men will buy now. (laughs) We were far enough into psychotherapy to develop the midlife crisis. There you Uh, go. Bill Hewlett and David Packer started a little scientific instrument company in Palo Alto, California. This is now recognized as the beginning of Silicon Valley. Yep. Makes it possible for us to be here. That's true. Still not totally sure it's a... Good thing. Anyway, I, yeah. uh, lots mm-hmm. of interesting people were born in this garbage year. Hockey great Bobby Hull, Jermaine uh, Any Greer. relation? <laughs> Hold on, you just glided right by Bobby Hull. Any relation, Michael? Is this your your long your uh, your never mentioned hockey great uh, great great uncle or something? I, I always imagined that we would have more money than we did if we were related to him. So if we are, okay. he was avoiding us. Yeah, yeah. Jermaine Hard to blame Greer, him, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Semino, Ray Manzarek from The Doors, yeah. Chogyam Trungpa, I'll, uh, peace be upon his drunk ass. He was the founder of Shambhala Buddhism and okay. uh, a very important man in my life who got me- posthumously me too'd like a motherfucker. Anyway, uh, Neil Sedeka, Brazilian filmmaker Glauber Rocha, who made Black God, White Devil and lots of other good movies, Ali McGraw. Uh, uh-huh. Marvin Gaye, Salminio, Sonny Chiba, and Lily Tomlin, all That's born in 39. Dream, dream blood rotation for 1939 for me is going to be Marvin Gaye, Salminio, Sonny Chiba, and Lily Tomlin. That's a good. That's a nice night in, I think. Yeah, 100%. Francis Ford Coppola, I, he's he's an associate of the show, if not a friend. He's a friend of the We'll call him, we'll, you know, we've given him a lot of love on the show. We'll, yeah. we'll shout out to FFC, yeah. Hugh Masekela, Ernie Terrell, Dusty Springfield, yeah. my favorite Christian, Helen Prejean, 
is the yes. uh, the death penalty activist, the lovely lady, yes, Lee Majors. Dead man walking, yep. Yeah, Harvey Keitel, Ian McKellen, Cleavon Little, Mavis Staples, oh, uh, yeah. Wes Craven, the King. Yeah. Yes, Ginger Baker, Joel Schumacher, right. Claudette Colvin, Paul Hogan, Ralph Lauren, F. Murray Abraham, John Cleese <laughs> was born in 39, <laughs> the recently passed <laughs> Tina Turner, Mr. Uh, John R. Amos, who yeah. already looked 40 when he was born. <laughs> he John was Amos. Born, yes. born 45, yes. Yes. And finally, Ali Farka Toure, who was a singer from Mali, and I cannot recommend his music highly enough. Last name Toure, T-O-U-R-E with an apostrophe, absolute genius. Sports was a fucking mess due to the rapidly advancing world war, so the stats are all over the place. Bunch of Nazis won all the skiing events. There wasn't a Super Bowl yet, so the Packers and the New York football giants played the Dairy Bowl in Milwaukee. (laughs) Let's Uh, bring back the Dairy Bowl. That sounds like more fun than a Super Bowl to me. I can get I behind so. that. Portsmouth beat the Wolverhampton Wanderers 4-1 to one to win the FA Cup. Lou Gehrig retired. Uh, the Akron mm-hmm. Firestone non-skids beat the Oshkosh All-Stars to win the NBL championship because there wasn't an NBA yet. Uh, the Akron Firestone non-skids. Yeah, Thank buddy. you for bringing that into my life. Yeah. All right, now I'm a basketball fan. Back when they just wore the logos on the uniforms and like I just want a jersey. You know? I want a jersey for the Akron Firestone non-skids. I will sport that all over New York. Brendan's Cottage won the Cheltenham Gold Cup, and nobody knows what any of that means anymore. Uh, even the mm-hmm. fucking snooker was boring. One thing was happening. Joe Lewis was the heavyweight champion of the world, and old Adolf couldn't do nothing about that. That's headlines. That's right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, all right. Jessica, you ready to do a top five? Of course. Top five all right, so uh, we, we talked it over before the show. We decided we're going to do these in alphabetical order. So, uh, Jessica Pickens, what is your first film on your top five for 1939? Well, it is about as far away of the Blitzkrieg of Poland <laughs> as you can get. Um, and it's First Love, starring uh, Deanna Durbin, actress and singer. Here's your coat, Miss Barbara. All right, bring it along. Which flowers would you like, Miss Barbara? I don't care any of them. I think these would look very nice on you. They're terrible. Give me the gardenias. Yes, Miss Barbara. Call me at noon tomorrow. Be sure that I get up. Yes, Miss Barbara. And you call that Swedish girl. Foot massage in the morning. You shouldn't dance so much, Miss Barbara. If Mr. Warrington calls, tell him to call back. If Mr. Patton calls, tell him I have smallpox. Yes, Miss. A headache for Mr. Patton. Where's my bag? Oh, I forgot it. Well, get it. Mother, I'm ready. And a 19-year-old Robert Stack. <laughs> um, I love this movie so, 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 so much. Um, I actually waffled between two 1939 movies starring Deanna Durbin, this one, and Three Smart Girls Grow Up, because it's so lovely. <laughs> That's a great but title. One... I'm sorry, what was the other one called? Three Smart Girls <laughs> Three... Grow Up. Yeah, it's, it's actually a sequel to Three Smart Girls, which was Deanna Durbin's first That was her film, franchise. It was Deanna Durbin's yeah. MCU. Jessica, for those who don't know, because I hear this name and I don't even know, who was Deanna Durbin? Like, what was her, so what was her deal? She, I mean, the best description I think I could give, and I hate to say little girl, but she was really like a young lady with a very beautiful big opera voice but she also when she acted had a lovely sincerity to her and the while she's really largely forgotten today despite from her like hardcore fan base like myself (laughs) um (laughs) she was one of the top stars of her time um of the 1930s but she by the i believe it was the late 40s early 50s she retired and pretty much lived the rest of her life just as a normal being person. Out I think that's why she's largely the smart though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got out while the getting uh, yeah. was good. Good for Deanna Durbin. But I love this movie. It's, it's kind of fluffy, but it's just a joy to watch. I think Deanna Durbin is sweet and vibrant. And from one minute I'll be laughing and the next I might be tearing up because I'm also just a sap, but it's a modern (laughs) retelling of Cinderella, but it's, it doesn't like beat you over the head with it. Right. She's this young lady who graduates from finishing school. Her parents are dead. She goes to live with her uncle and aunt and very bratty rich cousin um, in New York city. And they treat her pretty terribly, but the, um, 
those the, the people who work in the home like the the maids and the cook and the um the butler all see that she's not like their their employers uh-huh. and so they they kind of take her under their wing but the reason i picked this movie and why i think it's important to 1939 is it was also a coming of age story for or Deanna Durbin. It was the first time that she really was kind of had an adult story. It had she had her first on-screen kiss Ooh. with Robert Stack, Ooh. who was in his first film role. Um, and in a 1987 interview, he said that this was such big news it was making headlines. Wow! Uh, <laughs> so it's it it really was while she started movies when she was 14 or 15, she was starting to work her way into those adult roles. Um, which is one reason I think this is an important movie. Um, it's just also, it's fun. It has some really humorous moments. Helen Parrish plays a magnificent bitchy cousin. Um, and then the brother, though, aunt- the brother, though, yeah. <laughs> He the brother great. though like, is such is an incredible. And that was his first movie. Well, and they don't like it's a Cinderella. You know, it is Cinderella. Like you said, they don't beat you overhead yeah. with it. There's no sort of like carriages or any of the Disney things that we right. were sort of. I think the first way that a lot of us, you probably, you know, a lot of people now yeah. probably saw it. There's no fairy godmothers. You know, there's no dancing right. teacups, right? And so you're just sort of watching it. And you're like, this seems familiar. And then she leaves the shoe on the stairs, and you're like, oh Jesus, of course, obviously. <laughs> But the br- like one of the cha- little changes they made is that instead of the bitchy stepsisters, one of the bitchy stepsisters yeah. is just a very lazy brother, and he is yeah. hilarious and incredible <laughs> in the great. whole. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen very many. Like he literally has a philosophy of, of being lazy and defends <laughs> his his laziness philosophy. I don't know if I've ever seen that in a movie before. And that was his, and I think he's so funny. His name is Lewis Howard. It was his first movie. It's crazy. So I, it's just such a fun movie. You're on his side. And That's the amazing thing. He explains his <laughs> philosophy know. and you're like, you know what, dude, you might be right. That's the amazing <laughs> thing. I don't, I don't know how else, I don't know anybody. I don't see how that could be pulled off by many people. Yeah. One of the early iterations of the movie Stoner right there. Uh, he, he really, really pulled it off. Uh, I think it's also worth noting Robert Stack, bit of a babe in this movie. Like, you know, if you only yeah. know your stack, you know, from the unsolved mysteries years, uh, you know, kind of, yeah, yeah. Then wise choice for the for the first kiss there. Wearing a tuxedo and not that trench coat. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well done. All right, Jessica. What then? Alphabetically, is your next movie on your top five of nineteen thirty nine? Well, we're going a little bit different now. Not so joyous here, but in name only. I only told you all this so you'd understand what happened today. Glad it happened. Changes a lot of ideas I had about you. I'm glad too, because it brought us together again. What? Have you so many friends you can't stand one more? No, I haven't many friends, but I can't be friends with you. Why not? Let's not talk about it. Julie, I thought we were only going to say the things we meant. Why can't we be friends? Why? All right, because it wouldn't stay that way. With anyone else, yes, but not with you. I think this movie is fabulous, starring, I mean, what a trio, Cary Grant, Carol Lombard, and Kay Francis. And um, while it's kind of a a role that Cary Grant played throughout his career, I picked it because both the roles for Kay Francis and Carol Lombard are very much departures from what they were playing before. Um, In 1939, Carol Lombard was kind of moving away from those screwball comedies. She made this and then another... um, drama called made for each other this year both pretty serious films same director on that one i i think yeah both john cromwell um who i love but um kay francis who you know for years throughout the 30s was just like suffering and she was always in a predicament here she plays the most delicious bitch (laughs) she is so awful she is such an awful woman she was, and her name is Maida, which is kind of weird. The, the weird, the name is weird, but she's so delightfully evil. And like the whole time, like in a way, the movie keeps you in suspense because she has the upper hand oh, totally. the whole time. And you're like, how are they going to, are these people ever going to get together? Yeah. Um, and it's, she's just such a bad woman. And I think Carol Lombard does a great job in it as well. And I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the moment when, 
okay, Francis is showing her true colors mm-hmm. and somebody overhears her. It's it's that scene. It's, it makes me want to cheer. It's, yeah. it's, it's maybe the first, the oldest movie I've ever seen with the, he's standing right behind me moment in it, you know, which became yeah. such a cliche, but yeah, she really is like, like the, the exact wrong moment for someone to overhear her, her evil plot in all of its, right. in all of its splendor. Um, I love it. No, I'm a huge Carol Lombard fan and, and I haven't seen as much of her work as I would like to, but I've seen a fair amount of it. And this really mm-hmm. is, you know, I wrote about this, um, this film, you'll, you'll see a piece of the week that the, that the show goes up in the Substack about it. Cause this was a, a first time watch for me. I saw, you oh, yeah. know, Cary Grant and Carol Lombard and I'm like, Oh, well this will be like a sparkling, you know, romantic comedy. Um, and it's cool because they have that chemistry. Like it's clear, you know, that yeah. they could, they could have done that, but it's a much yeah. more, serious romantic drama and it's about sort of finding the right person at the wrong moment in your life and then having to figure out what the fuck to do about that um Mm -hmm. it's i was sort of surprised by how moved i was by it um at the end especially and there's a there's a one scene role for a doctor in this um i i cannot recall his name off the top of my head but it's in the piece i write about it um, just a, a real primo example of just an actor coming in, uh, for one scene and recalibrating the entire movie to their wavelength and the way Carol Lombard reacts to him in that scene also gives a new dimension to her performance. It's a mm-hmm. really, it's, it's, it was, a, I was very moved by this, by this movie. It's really, really sweet and really powerful. I think. Yeah. It's one of my, it's one of my favorites. It's just, they, you know, and all three of them also would have been great together sure. in a comedy, but it's just the casting being so different, so fun. And, you know, Kay Francis's career was kind of on the decline yeah. by this point. And this also revitalized her career until she um, retired in the mid 40s as well. But it's so good. And I also love seeing very young Peggy Ann Garner as Carol <laughs> Lombard's daughter because I think she's precious. And if you love a holiday movie, oh, yeah. we see uh, both Thanksgiving and Christmas so there you go. Put it, put it, it on your, Christmas put it on your alt list. Maybe not miracle on 34th street next year. Maybe yeah. try, try in name only out. All right. Uh, Jessica, what is the third alphabetically movie on your top five of 1939? This might be the most mainstream of the group, but I had to pick it. Um, it's Nanachka. You can't not. Yeah. Go to bed, little father. We want to be alone. Please. You like me just a little bit? Your general appearance is not distasteful. Thank you. The whites of your eyes are clear. Your cornea is excellent. (laughs) From, yeah, it's just, the best way I can describe it is a glittering joy with excellent humor and a lot of laugh out loud moments. Um, I mean, the whole thing is Garbo laughs was yes. all was the advertising. <laughs> like, and because let, I mean, let's, and let's not let's <laughs> like pause on that. Like I like that's how big a deal Garbo was. Right. That was like first of all the first movie, her first talking movie got the Garbo talks promo, yeah. and then this came out and they they literally this was this was how they sold it. Garbo laughs like Garbo in a right. comedy, but not just any comedy, like an Ernst Lubitsch movie. Like holy yeah. moly. I saw some other advertising from the time that says Garbo gets the Lubitsch touch, which shows how both big were, yeah. you know, were so big at the time. Um, and it is fun to see Garbo in like a real fun comedy. And you're thinking, wow, this is going to be, you know, if you were probably, if you're in 1939 and thinking about what will I have <laughs> ahead for Greta Garbo, you might be thinking, wow, this is going to be turning around her career sure. from sad historical movies to comedy right and it's her second to last movie (laughs) but it was this and then the awful two-faced woman from 1941 but i love that it's just like a departure and it's kind of bizarre that she ended up in this role but it works and the supporting cast is so great with sig rubin and felix bracehart and alexander Grenache, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you say his name. And then Melvin Douglas is, of course, hilarious as her leading man. But I just, you know, excellent screenplay, um, excellent just everything. Well, the costuming, the setting, everything. What do you think? I mean, again, for for you know, a more casual listener who maybe doesn't know what 
what was the Lubitsch touch? What did he, what specific thing did he have that was so special that we like, that we still know that phrase even? I think, you know, just thinking about all of his work and, you know, if I'm speaking more casually, it just seems like it has a, what's the right word for it? Like, I don't want to say glamour, but like a glitter almost Mm -hmm. and like a, and a lightheartedness to it. Like this whole movie might not be lighthearted, but it is, you know, it's, it's kind of taking something kind of just serious mm-hmm. communist Russia mm-hmm. and making a joke of it. And, but it's, it's, it feel, you don't even think about it yeah. sometimes you're just like, Oh, this is funny. And, you know, this is one of the movies from the grouping that I picked that does, you know, reference the war. Right. Um, at this time, Hollywood was trying to soft shoe away from mentioning that, but in its opening like prologue statement, it talks about when a siren was a brunette, and when mm. the lights were turned off, it was like for romantic reasons mm. instead of an air raid. <laughs> yeah. And then when the three fellows are at the train station looking for Ninochka, um to meet her, they, they're they like, oh, he looks like a Russian. And then he re- walks up to a lady and says, Heil Hitler. And they're like, oh, no, not him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it is interesting that they tied in some current events into this very sparkling comedy. Right, right. Well, yeah. And, you know, and of course... Um, luckily for us, you know, Lubitsch went a little further down that road about three years later with a little picture called To Be or Not To Be, uh, with the aforementioned Carol Lombard, which I think might be the sort of the best example of a, of a kind of a tightrope, um, a movie that, that is just barely funny, but is also like incredibly funny. But I, I, I think that I hadn't really put them in that uh in that comparison to each other until you, you you started talking about this but yeah you can totally see how one kind of would would lead to the other that's fascinating all right so let's move on to the fourth film on the top five for 1939 what do you got when i was revisiting this one i was like they're gonna think i'm crazy but <laughs> um <laughs> it's the rains came i want you to let me stay here tonight have you any idea what you're saying of course I have. Don't you see? Then everyone would think that... Well, anyway, there'd be such a scandal, I'd have to leave Rajapur. And you really want to acquire a tarnished reputation? Yes. I don't care what they say about me. That's all very well. But why, in the name of the million gods of India, you have to choose me? Well, it shouldn't matter a bit to you. Your reputation is already so... so tarnished. And there's a lot of reasons why I picked this, but mainly one. But first I'll say, you know, this is a movie that did win an Academy Award or won at least one Academy Award, was one of the top of the top movies of the year. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's actually largely forgotten today. So. And maybe that's because it's 20th Century Fox and some of those are kind of hard to access. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Huh. What, Wonder why. Hmm, that's weird <laughs> that, 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 that that one studio's output is so hard to get to these days. Huh. Right? Huh. Imagine that. I, I'm, it's puzzling. Yeah. But, you know, the main reason I picked this movie is the special effects. Mm-hmm. So many people think of classic films and they're like, oh, their special effects are are stupid and campy and look silly. So 47 minutes in, the, obviously the title tells you. The rains come. The, the rain, the rainy season happens. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it's part of this, it's set in India. It's part of this um, kind of tug of war between modern and tradition with the India, people of India and the English who are living there. But um the rains come there's an earthquake you know if you're gonna put it and, in the uh, title yeah. then like when the rains yeah. come you you better <laughs> deliver better yeah. go down <laughs> right and they did there was an earthquake a dam breaks yeah water rushes through the city i mean i actually think that it might be one of the most exciting five minutes i've ever seen on film all done with destroying full sets and wow. using miniatures and matte paintings no CGI. I think it's astounding and find it breathtaking every single time. Yeah, it's a very like nice, friendly 1939, like sort of polite postcard movie up mm. until that yeah. point, you know, and there's mm. like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of brown face going down. A lot of <laughs> a lot of English yeah. actors and in, in some like, you know, bad India makeup. There's yeah. some yeah. there's some like real like gone with the wind like no the slaves love it here like there's a lot of that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff happening but it's 
you know, you know that. You know what's you know what's going down. You know, you know you're mm-hmm. watching a movie from 39. So you're digging the movie, right. you know, but it is a very nice, polite movie, friendly movie. And I'm watching it and I'm sort of like, I don't know, top five. You know, like I'm I'm, I'm watching the movie, I'm rocking with the movie, you know, but top five, you know, and then oh, 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 now I get, you know, and it was immediately sort of obvious, like I can't think of anything else from this time that it has anything like right. that. Because at at first you see the rain, you know, you see the water pouring, you see lots of different sort of flooding things, but then at some point in all of that, those sections they start putting people in front of the shots and like mm, people yes. are now running from the water. And at that point I was like, all right, now you win. I don't know how you did that, you know, cause you didn't make miniature people. That's not how people work. Yeah. Right. It's, I, I still don't know. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, cause I was, I was going to mention there is some unfortunate brown face from Tyrone power and Marie Oscan spot. Ospinskaya. Um, but I also, there's a couple performances that really do stand out to me. One is Myrna Loy because this is such a different role that she, from what she was playing at MGM from about 33 to 39. Mm. I mean, she's an unsympathetic character. She's writ, mm. rich. She's, she's rich and vapid and bored and just a bitch, mm. really. Like, it's such a departure from that perfect wife. Right. And she seems to be relishing you know, having the opportunity to play that character, though, doesn't she? <laughs> she's right. a little, she's a yeah. little too good at it. She's there's yeah. somebody she had been waiting to play. <laughs> <laughs> and then that scene, and again, I don't want to give it away, but when she realizes she drank out of the wrong glass of water, like her character does change in that point. I'm like, oh man. Um, I am also a George Brent lover. A lot of people are not. Um, but I do think he plays, gets like a good meaty role in this. Um, and it's worth mentioning both him and Myrna Loy were away from their home studios, oh, uh, George okay. Brent Warner Brothers and Myrna Loy from MGM. So it's almost like they go to 20th Century Fox and they get more interesting roles. Mm-hmm. So George Brent is really playing this drunk mm. guy living in India. Um, and then another interesting character um, is Fern played by Brenda Joyce, another in her first film role that year. And I don't feel like she might look seem a little green as an actress, but I don't feel like, you'd know, it was her mm. first movie because she does such a good job as playing this young woman who's coming on to George Brent's character uh, and just forcing mm. herself on him. Um, worth mentioning Clarence Brown directed. He's one of my favorites. And then another very brief tie into the war uh, when George Brent's character at the start is talking about a statue of Queen Victoria, he makes mention of wars and dictators in Europe. Mm. So another very brief tie Super, back yeah. into current events. Thing that's yes. real easy to snip out for foreign markets, but it's there. It's there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Jessica, that's such a good point about them playing the playing different kinds of roles when they're on loan. And that hadn't occurred yeah. to me. But yeah, because like when they're at their home studio where they're under contract, there is a very specific kind of image that they're cultivating mm-hmm. and that has been set out for them by studio brass and studio publicists and all that sort of thing. Uh, and so, yeah, to have the chance to kind of let their hair down a little bit when they when they're when they're out at another studio. That's really fascinating. Yeah, uh, I felt like they showed a little more depth. Yeah, definitely. God, I love I love her like so very much in all like the most predictable ways. Like, oh, the Thin Man movies, but like the Thin Man movies are so great. Um, so this right. was so so this one. I think it did win special. Effect. Are we going to talk about this? I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me scroll down a little. Oh bit. no, yeah. I, I actually I forgot to mention that as well. Did, yeah. did, did this win special effects over Wizard of Oz? It did. Wow. It did. And it was the first year special effects was offered. I mean, like, I think that's worth pointing it out, pointing out, isn't yeah. it? Like, that's Holy crap. Yeah, that's a I mean, yeah. That was that's sort of nothing. a big deal. Yeah. All right. All right, Jessica. We have come to the conclusion. What is the fifth and yes. final film on your top five for 39? It's called These Glamour Girls. Jane, don't leave yet. Stick around and have some fun. You'll learn to love us as the years go by. Listen, you wisecracking, backknifing glamour girl. I've had all of your kind of fun that I can use. Well, I wouldn't breathe the same air with you and your pedigree polo shirts for another five minutes. The glamour girls and their men. Men? This herd of calves? 
It is a B-budget movie from MGM, and I love this movie so much. <laughs> and it's it's a collegiate film, yes. which, you know, I always love a collegiate film. But the thing that it's a, it's an ensemble cast of very catty boys and very catty girls. And like on, on the surface, it is just like a, a collegiate comedy, but it's also a social commentary of these snobby debutantes yep. putting down a diamond dance du- dancer played by Lana Turner. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the ensemble cast, we have Anne Rutherford and Jane Bryan and Tom Brown and Anita Louise, Richard Carlson, Lou Ayers. And the one who, though she's not the star, I think steals the show is the late Marsha Hunt, mm. who I'm not going to say what happens, but the in what happens is chilling. <laughs> and she is so good because she's the whole thing. She's trying to have this very like too, too divine right. um, attitude. And she's, she's past her prime. Her character's 23, but yes. she's still going to college dances <laughs> and they're all judging her about it. But she's this like putting on this act. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's like the old lady, but yeah. she's 23 years old. Yeah. Um, and she'll like say something and like act like she's like glittering and sophisticated. And then they'll walk away and ignore her and the way her face falls. Mm. She's so good. Yeah. But as far as like why this movie is important for 1939, in my opinion, while it's low budget, it was the first time that a film centered around Lana Turner's character. Mm. And after this movie, she was a star. Yeah. And I also like that it's such a different role than what she played later oh, on. Totally. She's a little bit more down home. She still has her red hair. Not ultra glam like she would be a few years later. But I mean, after this, she was a star. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was what, you know, when we were looking these over, I was like, oh, great. Because I hadn't seen this one before. And it's like, oh, I love yeah. I love Lana Turner. Because I'm thinking of like, you know, Lana Turner, the vamp, Lana Turner from film noir. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. this is a, this is a really different Lana Turner. Yeah. Um, little Lana. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> Uh, but she, but she also like it is that thing where when you see a, a big star in an early role, even if it's not the kind of role that they ended up doing, they still have such a star quality right. about them. She, you, you are, you, I mean, the film is structured in this way, um, but you're with mm-hmm. her from the second you meet her, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think part of that is even it, it even plays more that way now because. Um, some of these, you know, 30 year old college students are a bit insufferable. Um, you're kind of on her side to begin with, but, but the, you're right that the class, uh, the class clash that's happening there, um, these sort of snooty rich college kids and this working girl, um, it's mm-hmm. very stark. It's very pronounced while also still being like, you know, the lighthearted collegiate comedy. They're not, you know, it's not a, right. it's not a social drama, but it's definitely present, um, yeah. I'm also just fascinated by dance hall culture. Like I could, I could have watched a whole movie set in the dance hall. Like I love, I I lo- it's so different. It's, it's so funny to think. Yeah. Of. You know, I also her clutching those, those tickets whilst, Oh God. Love yeah. it. It is. It's so funny. You know, I'm just a Joe Schmo. So like the excitement of like <laughs> being invited to a very important dance, yep. which is the whole basis of the film. But when one girl is talking about this is who's inviting me, mom. And the mom's like, look him up in the social registry. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one girl, they're broke. And so she's pretending to be her own maid yes. to save face and pretend to be rich. Yeah. Like the whole like exhibiting wealth, yes. which is still very prevalent. Mm-hmm. People are all in debt trying to pretend they're rich still <laughs> but it's just such an interesting movie and probably i i'd like to give it more credit than perhaps it gets because you know i just think it's a just a very interesting look at wealth culture i yeah. guess you could say yeah and here's what a dope i am like i didn't realize the social register was like an actual <laughs> tangible physical object like then she says to go look him up like they have to pull it's like the phone book i had no idea i thought that was just an expression um but yes it is it's a it's a charming little movie and and lana turner's a movie star and would become one very quickly all right jessica thank you so much for that excellent top five All right, let's find out what films were winning trophies and making money. Here's Mike with awards and box office. Sell out with me, oh yeah. Sell out with me tonight. The record company's only... There's really only one. (laughs) They just put them all in Uh a box and mailed them to the production company. Best picture, best director to Victor Fleming, best actress to Vivian Lee, and best supporting actress to Hattie Daniel for Gone with the Wind. 
So uh, this was the movie that we have not really talked about yet, um, but sort of the major release of 1939, the, the, uh, the, the one of the movies that everyone thinks of when they think of that year. I, let's uh, have the also- balls to just not even to just act like it doesn't exist. I'm just going to cut this out. <laughs> Let's just act like that movie wasn't made. Let's just be the the podcast with the guts to do that. That would really throw people. Um, but Jessica, where do you land on this on this very thorny uh, motion picture? You know, it's it's that's a I. It's hard to say. It is. It sure is. Um, you know, and I've read a lot, and you know, from like historian Donald Bogle, and he has made some excellent points about like Hattie McDaniel's character right. that while she was a maid, she gave a lot of depth to that character and fully deserved that Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, some other folks said, you know, obviously we're all against banning movies but you know if this movie was to be pulled we would miss performances like Hattie McDaniel um I do think it's beautiful cinematography wise um and Walter Plunkett did a wonderful job job costuming it I think it has some of the most memorable costumes and um I will say as somebody from the south the accents that are put on by people who aren't southern don't bother me as much as some do. Um, uh, Dan Aykroyd and driving this. Um, so even though a lot of them were English, they did a pretty good job, I guess. Um, I, I do think it's an important movie to see, but um, just as part of the canon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, beautifully mounted, brilliantly acted and morally reprehensible. And like, there are just some movies that are like that, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. and accepting that, understanding that, acknowledging that and dealing with that in the way you choose to deal with it is part of being someone who loves old movies. So what is the, what is the sort of reprehensible bit about it? Because the things that are portrayed were not only real, but also like actually way, way worse than the way they're portrayed in the movie. So that's what's the, reprehensible. Well, that's and that <laughs> the, is the, the yeah. reprehensible nature. Yes. Is. yes. So that's what um, one thing Donald Bogle wrote in his book, Hollywood Black, was that while David O. Silsnick was very careful while making the movie, um, met with it in AACP, he, while he was careful, he also didn't represent slavery at all and kind of ignored the topic rather than addressing it and that's that he said that's the biggest fault of right. the film right yeah you know the, the 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 thing that you mentioned earlier the sort of like just this very whitewashed um portrayal of right. of what that what that life was and and what those relationships mm-hmm. were and uh and what that war was fought over um right. it gets it gets very very sticky well, do we uh, want every movie wanna... from 1939 to be about pogroms? Like, no, <laughs> but it seems like they should be mentioned sometimes, doesn't it? Yes. It's weird that they're left go. out. I mean, it's go. one of those yeah. like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, best actor went to Robert Donat for Goodbye, Mr. Chips. I do love that movie. <laughs> it's a lovely Better him than uh, Mickey Rooney and Babes in Arms. <laughs> <laughs> such a strange 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 nomination there we go <laughs> and the best supporting actor went to thomas mitchell for stagecoach great movie god that's i love stagecoach and i love He's always good. and i love that he, that that was an oscar winning performance like that's you know they were not given a lot of oscars to uh to to westerns in that era and uh and thomas mitchell it, but it is it's the it's it's a great performance it's a beautifully realized character he was a tremendous character actor uh, I love that. I that's what that's maybe my favorite, um, one of my favorite Oscar wins of the entire damn 1930s. I love Stagecoach. I really do. That's a great movie. Yep. One other significant award winner, the New York because Film there were Credit not Circle. like there were not a thousand other award ceremonies yet. Like <laughs> once we hit the major Oscars, we're kind of done with awards. Uh, well, uh, 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 the New York Critics Film Circle Award went to Wuthering Heights. Ah, that's a that's a good one. Yes, Wuthering Heights. Jessica, like it? Dislike it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's funny though because it does end like midway through the book <laughs> where the book is. It's like 
Kathy dies. And that's like just the beginning. <laughs> but but it's, it's a good, good movie. It's a, it's a really good adaptation of that part of the book. <laughs> yeah, of the first half of the book. There you go. Um, as long as you don't know what you're talking about, it's fine. Lots of good things. Shout out to the best animated short film, oh. The Ugly Duckling, which might be the most depressing cartoon short I've ever seen. Oh, wow. It okay. made me cry. All right. Yeah, it's just... It's, Go go watch okay. it. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. Ugly duckling. Domestic yeah. uh, box office top ten. Number ten was the women. Okay. Yes. Good. Yes. Yes. Jessica's giving thumbs up. It's not a video. Yeah. We, we Sorry, do. I forgot. <laughs> I, was, I forgot my words were not like showing. the women is awesome. It's so funny and so movie. catty and so great. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Number nine was the rains came. I bet it looked great on a big screen. Yeah, Number eight, Dodge City. Oh, that's a good movie, yeah. All right. That's the first time it somebody said, get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> oh, no, probably not. Probably, probably not. Uh, numbers. Aeroflin might have. <laughs> Number seven, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Yep. Number six, great Gunga movie. Din. It's been a lot. I haven't seen that one in a long time, but I do remember liking it. But All right. Good posters for Gunga Din. You know, there's money in posters. Number five was The Wizard of Oz. How have we? Yeah, this is. Uh, here we are. Uh, Let's just act like it doesn't minute exist. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it would be wild. It's a good movie. The Wizard of Oz. Hot take. Good movie. Well crafted. Yeah. Well acted. I like it. Good songs. You can tap your feet to it. I like The Wizard of Oz. We, uh, yeah, I like the Wizard of Oz. There we go. I am the only person. No, I'm not the only person. I'm a person from the only place that has like an a, an inborn right to hate that movie, which is if you we are will. from Kansas, yes. no one uh, like anywhere you go on earth. If you say Kansas, yes. even yeah. I mean we're we're closer to a hundred years than fifty on this. People yes. will say, oh. <laughs> Did you ever get picked up by a tornado? Yeah, yes, go yes. to Oz, whatever. So I feel like I have the right to not like this movie. We we will get into that in the after show. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Which is annoying because it's very well done and quite catchy. It is. And it is. You want to be able to hate it, but it's not as easy <laughs> as it sounds. Number four, Babes go. in Arms. You, the aforementioned Babes in Arms. It's it's a fun musical. I just don't know why he was nominated for best. <laughs> you know why? Because it. Mickey Rooney made a lot of money for Hollywood. That's, That's why very he, true. he brought it. There, those Andy Hardy movies made a lot of money. Yeah. Trigger warning: There are some. There's a question mark. Oh, number there sure if is. You watch Babes in Arms. Sure, right so there just is. Trigger warning. Yep, but yep. otherwise, it's great. There you go. <laughs> Well, now you just had the opposite effect. I'm going to go watch it. Number three, <laughs> Jesse James. Hey, hey. It's been a long time. Another Tyrone Power. Yeah. He, he's, he brought him in. Yeah, he did. Is that like a proper biopic or? Uh... I oh, mean, probably not. <laughs> probably not terribly accurate, but yes, it's about the Western gunslinger by the name of Jesse James. Okay. Yes. That was really my question, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number two, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Hey. Documentary, as far as I can hey. tell wonderful capra doing the thing jimmy stewart doing the thing uh i man the the filibuster sequence like some some sequences are beloved and remembered all these years later because they're incredible and jimmy stewart knew when to knew when to deploy that catch in the throat um god that's a great bit of acting in that in that uh in that sequence it's a great movie oh it is and number one gone with the wind like an absurd amount of money like i mean even like it's one of those ones where it's like even before you put in the inflation adjustment it's still like oh really just like everybody in america went and saw gone with the wind okay but it's four hours long was it maybe just like the best makeout movie in in 1939 (laughs) or do you think people were really like paying attention to the whole thing i don't know i don't how easy is it to make out during gone with the wind has anyone tried it i've not tried it given modern sensibilities probably not very but i bet in 39 (laughs) there's there's a lot of turmoil yeah Yeah. Yeah. live with your parents (laughs) (laughs) all right so there we have it uh jessica you ready for a lightning round sure All 
right, we're going to bang through a list of some more 1939 stuff. Give me a quick reaction or a pass, whichever way you want to go. Mike's going to put five minutes on the big clock. And here we go. Dark Victory. Great movie. Oh, love it. Love it. Almost had it on this list. Yay! <laughs> Leo McCary's Love Affair. Very good film. Love it. It's, I like it better than Affair to Remember. Whoa, hot take. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of Mice and Men. Gosh, I haven't seen that one in a really long time. Um, it's good, as I recall, but it's been a while. The aforementioned Made for Each Other. Parts of it, yes. It's it's a little dramatic, um, but I like it more each time I see it. Golden Boy was released in 1939. Oh, um, it's, it's important. <laughs> uh, Lee J. Coughlin, William Holden's daddy, when they're like really close in age is a little strange. Um, and you know, the, the violin player also wanted to be a boxer, you know, the tale as old as time. <laughs> Son of Frankenstein. Pretty fucking good. Love it. Frankenstein wears a great fashion vest. <laughs> it's like a furry vest. It's, it's a great it's a great movie. Like it seems really stupid, but it's great. <laughs> Two uh Shirley Temple movies came out in 1939, The Little Princess and Susanna of the Mounties. Susanna of the Mounties isn't the best. Little Princess is probably my favorite Shirley Temple movie. Real, I love it. Real highs it's, and lows. It has a yeah. Yeah, it has a really ridiculous dream sequence. It's in color. She gets, it's not the same as the book because it has a happy ending, of but it's great. Uh, <laughs> Beauty for Asking. Love it. Love it so much. It was also almost on this list. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Jamaica Inn. I like it, but it's not my favorite Hitchcock by far. Uh, early shades of uh, um, of franchise movie making. We had two Nancy Drew movies in 1939. Nancy <laughs> Drew Troubleshooter and Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. I, in general, am a big Nancy Drew lover and I've had to let let go and let God, as they say, <laughs> with these Nancy Drew films and just watch them as a movie and have a good time. Because if you watch them with no knowledge of Nancy Drew, sure. they're a lot of fun. Sure. If you watch them as a diehard Nancy Drew fan, you're like, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing to my girl? <laughs> yeah. So if you just watch this movie, it's great. Okay. It's a lot of fun. There we go. Let us live. Oh, it's good. It's just depressing. <laughs> Here I am a stranger. That one was a deep cut that I enjoyed. Also depressing. <laughs> It's sensing a theme. Midnight was released in 1939. Oh, Midnight's great. Very fun. John Barrymore runs away with the whole thing. Nice. Uh, Eternally Yours. That one, as I recall, was a little disappointing. <laughs> you thought it was going to be good, but it was just all over the place. And it had a weird score. I don't know. <laughs> Another Thin Man was released in 1939. The first of the Thin Man sequels. Yes. I think... I think that's the one, if I'm remembering correctly, that they made when William Powell was returning to MGM after his cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like interesting because of that. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was like his return after medical leave. It's, but it's good. All the Thin Men, you know, obviously the first movie's the best, right. but the rest are a lot of This one's days. pretty good. And if I remember correctly, this is the one where Jimmy Stewart is uh, is a supporting character. Yes? Am I remembering that correctly? I This might be the Third. Oh, I can't okay. Remember. I can't either. Okay. Uh, smashing the money ring. <laughs> it's, it's whatever. <laughs> you know? it's, it's, it's a, it's a, if you want, if you don't have a whole lot of time and want to watch a movie, it's 58 minutes. <laughs> this is maybe my favorite title of the 1939 movies. Angels wash their faces. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's a sequel to, um, Angels with Dirty Faces. There you go. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. a cause and effect um, in titling right there. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's just not as good as the first one. Uh, isn't that always the way? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Two by John Garfield, Blackwell's Island, and They Made Me a Criminal. They Made Me a Criminal is great. Blackwell's Island is fun, but definitely not his best. He was, this was a big year for him as well, for sure. The Lady and the Mob. It's dumb, but it's a lot of fun. And I love Faye Bainter. She's a favorite of mine. She plays an old lady and she's trying to bust the mob. And it's great. It's just it's stupid, but it's fun. Good girls go to Paris. 
Oh, yeah. No, that, that was fun. I think it's Joan Blondell. Sounds right. You see so many movies. They all run <laughs> together. But it was fun. And finally, the aforementioned three smart girls grow up. Fantastic. Oh, I love it so much. Deanna Durbin is just so sincere. I was I don't even know why I was crying throughout the whole thing. It was great. She just cares a lot for her family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Unsurprisingly, Jessica, you nailed the lightning round. Congratulations. Wait, so we're not going to talk about Chicken Wagon Family, The Day the Bookies Wept, or The Fighting Gringo? I, feel I mean, we cheated. ran out of time. Here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. Uh, well, first, let me say this. Uh, we're going to throw it to our friend WX Foley for a quick PSA. Head on over to your favorite podcasting app. Give us a star, a rate, a review. Give us a written review and tell us that you love us because that's what lets people know that we're here. All right. Now, here's all I wanted to say. If you're interested in those movies or any of the like literal dozens of others from 1939 that Jessica has watched for this ongoing project, you can go to her website, which Jessica, again, is... CometOverHollywood.com. You can go to the right side. You can click the thing that says 1939 movies, and these will all come up. You can just scroll right through and read all of Jessica's reviews of all of these incredible 1939 movies. Uh, really go on, go on the deep dive. Uh, when I when I looked at this section of the website, I was like, we only have five minutes for this lightning round, so I don't know <laughs> what else we'll do. <laughs> Jessica, where can people follow you on social media? I am on um, Twitter and Instagram. Both are at Hollywood Comet, C-O-M-E-T. Um, you can find me there. I'm always, I'm always on. All right. <laughs> and of course, go to the aforementioned uh, website to read all of her latest writing about 1939 and movie musicals and pre-code stuff and covering film festivals like TCM uh, Film Festival and all that sort of stuff. Um, I am Fun City Cinema on Instagram, Jason Dash Bailey on Letterboxd. And remember, if you go to that page, you can find under my lists the top fives for every episode of the show. Mike, where can people follow you? I am on Twitter at BrainwashedLib. And you can also find us on Substack, a very good year.substack.com, where paid subscribers get bonus episodes, bonus writing, and much more. Mike, before we go, what is your favorite movie of 1939? I got to go with Rules of the Game. It's a French movie that is about some like shitty rich people that go on a hunt <laughs> in the country and all the poor people that are constantly trying to help them out or maybe argue with them. But also like everybody's cheating on their spouse, and yep. but their spouse is also cheating on them and they're all in the same yep. fucking house. So eventually they all figure it out. <laughs> like it's yep. just such a big, huge bananas, just the energy, the chaos. Like there's just so much going on in that movie. The dialogue is all super fast and it's all in French. So like you can read it or you can just turn it off and listen to them just fucking yell at each other in French. It's kind of amazing <laughs> that way too. It's just such a wild ass movie and it just... It has a sort of different energy than most of the other stuff I feel like that I've seen from mm -hmm. that era or from mm -hmm. that year. But it has the same sort of like visual grandiosity. You know, it's a very sort of like big, beautiful movie. And then there's literally a rabbit hunt in the middle of it. Like, that's yep. not CGI. They shot all those rabbits like that shit's for <laughs> real. You know, it just it's such a wild ass movie. And yeah. and of course, the sort of, you know, the in the same way that like the lazy rich guy in um in the Cinderella movie right in in first yeah. love is like is a great character but is also obviously everybody in that i mean all the rich people in that movie are characters are that's a comment that's not just right. sort of right mm -hmm. you know they're staring you right. know right um and in this movie you know in this french it's a very french version of the same thing but sure. they yeah. you know the the characters are not accidental um yeah. and they and 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 it's really like smart and and intricate and fucking super great just sort of the way everybody clicks together and the way relationships form that you were led to believe weren't going to form in the beginning of the film. There's just so much going on in the rules rich. of the game. It's very hard for me to describe. I'm realizing yeah. right now I'm doing a shit job, but uh, <laughs> rules of the game is a much better movie than I, my explanation of it. How about you, Jason? Uh, I'm going to have to go with George Marshall's Destry Rides Again, which is just a delightfully rowdy Western comedy. Um, it's sort of a, a weirdly an interesting 
pairing with Nanochka because here we have Marlena Dietrich, who was not known as a comedian, having a great time in a playful kind of comic role. Yeah. Uh, and also, just like anybody who loves Blazing Saddles, you have to see this as so like M- Madeline Kahn's Lily Von Stupp, like that's her just doing Marlena Dietrich in, in Destry Rides again, which is yeah. great. James Stewart, who has come up a lot of times in the show. This dude was busy in 1939, Jessica Pickens. Everybody was. He, that's I true. Swear. That's true. They all had those <laughs> those studio contracts where they're nine to five, six days a week. Yeah. Um, but James Stewart is really good in this play in the, 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 you know, the new deputy sheriff in town and really kind of the first time we see him tinkering with his aw shucks uh, naivete mm-hmm. persona because we see that. But then we also see the kind of steely uh, interior underneath. It's just it's a wonderful flick. And there was a great uh, Criterion Blu-ray, uh, I want to say, like three years ago. So pick that up or just stream it. But it's wonderful. Um, so that's mine. Thank you again, Jessica, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for listening. It poured sweet and clear. It was a very good year.